Welcome, PokeSports fans, to PokeSports Plus. On this show, we speak with experts from all around the Pokemon world and learn as much as we can from them. Today's guest is Rosemary Kelly. You might know her as Necra online through her work in Pokemon, through Hearthstone, through Overwatch. Rosemary, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. As everybody here will know, my name is Mike. I play with one Pokemon on the field. My name is Kevin. I play with two Pokemon on the field. And Rosemary, how many Pokemon do you play with on the field? I play with two Pokemon on the field. Hey. Has that been since, uh, has that been for a long time now or? It's been for a while. It's ever since 2014 when I got my start in playing the video game championships, I have played with two Pokemon on the field. Really? All the way since then. So have you ever dabbled in, in the singles game or? I can't say that I have. Wow. Okay. So VGC through and through. I like it. <laughs> so Rosemary, how about you tell the people what it is that you do? So my job is an esports commentator. I work as a freelance which means that I get hired to travel all around the world, all around the country to host and talk about esports events. That's amazing. And so where has that been? Where has that brought you? It's brought me everywhere. And Pokemon has been probably one of the more fortunate avenues Mm -hmm. that I've traveled where they've brought me to Brazil, Australia. I've been all around the country, Columbus for the national uh, championships, for the North American International Championships. Um, I was just at a couple of regionals as well. So I get a chance to fly everywhere. Yeah. I saw you at the, at, at a few of these regionals past, uh, most recently at, at Collinsville, uh, you, you did a great job. So did all the others, uh, others there, how was Collinsville that being the most, the most recent? Collinsville was great. Collinsville is actually where I got my start as a commentator. Last year in Collinsville, I was hired by Critical Hit to come out there and cast the Collinsville Regional Championships. And then right from there, I got up to the big stage. That's so cool. So everything's just kind of come full full circle. circle. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it really has. And, And so what are some of the things that have kind of changed since last year? A lot has changed since last year. Last year, I just wasn't as sure of myself as a commentator in any sort of video games community. So I was working on Overwatch, Hearthstone. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I was working on Pokemon as well. But since then, I've just gotten more confident at doing my job. And I think that's shown a lot through the work that I do. How has that changed your kind of view of the game between last year and and this year, have you found yourself uh, diving even more into it and and learning as much as you can? Or are you do you think that you knew uh, as much as you needed to know kind of going into it? Oh, I definitely didn't know as much as I needed to know going into it. Ah. One of the reasons why I decided to get back into commentary is because I tried it at a smaller I think it was at the Fort Wayne regional Mm -hmm. Um, I tried commentary there for the very first time in my entire life and I really liked it and when I was looking at a path to go down in late 2018 Mm -hmm. I decided that a great path to go down would be trying esports because I was doing some online tournaments for Overwatch. I was really enjoying myself there. I got scouted to do some Hearthstone commentary. And then I think it things just kind of took off. And while I was kind of doing that, I was looking, reaching out at my local scene and seeing if I could help out with Pokemon commentary there. But I definitely didn't know as much as I know now about the game, mm. especially being so removed from it since I stopped playing in 2016. There was a couple year gap of knowledge that I was missing. Mm-hmm. So working my way back into it and especially now that there's a new meta with the Sword and Shield games coming out. 
it's a lot been a lot easier for me to kind of get back in the saddle and learn everything that I need to to know. With uh, in terms of how you got into casting, you you said that you stopped playing in 2016. You you started working, I believe, I heard in 2018. Mm-hmm. How did how did that all get started? What what made you go into that? So this is actually a little bit of a sad story. I hope you guys don't mind. No, so. uh, but a couple of years ago, my parents passed away. Oh. And while they passed, you know, while while they were passing, you know, while I was going through all of that part of my life, Mm -hmm. I was originally going to go on to get my doctorate in ecology and evolutionary biology. But after all of that happened, it made me take a step back and made me reevaluate what made me happy. And I realized that a consistent theme throughout my entire life that's made me happy was video games. Mm -hmm. So I recognized Mm -hmm. that. Video games is an area that I might want to pursue a little bit further, but I wasn't really sure what was going to make me happy. So I tried out a lot of different things. I tried out tournament organizing. I tried out being a player myself, going back into my competitive roots. And then I found commentary and I fell in love with that. Do you you still find yourself competing and and tournament organizing at all or yes (laughs) those things haven't left my side Uh a lot of people that we've had on pokesports plus have also said like they took a long break and then just recently got real really Mm -hmm. into it with uh, sword and shield and with like sun and moon so is there any comparison that you have with you know pokemon and other games that you cast over like hearthstone and overwatch is like commentating similar or, di- or like v- vastly different with those commentating for all of those games is so different. Mm-hmm. It's so much more fast paced for Overwatch than it is for Hearthstone. And then Pokemon kind of falls a little bit somewhere in the middle right. where it's turn based strategy. So you have to think about casting that style and that genre of game very differently than if you were to cast something like a first person shooter. First person shooters are so fast paced. Yeah. So it's constant back and forth between you and your partner. Whereas with Pokemon, you can kind of let some plays breathe here or there. Are you still uh, commentating over those other games? Yes. Yes, I am. What was your most recent in that? My most recent was actually doing the Florida Mayhem Winter Classic. Oh, yeah. For Overwatch. And then for Hearthstone, I actually just casted something today. Really? Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Bit of a busy day. It's been a, it's been, been a busy day for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, it it's kind of seems like it's been a bit of a busy, uh, well, couple months, really. Ever since all of the uh, the regionals that are going on, of course, the uh, Oceania uh, internationals mm-hmm. and all, probably all of the things moving forward. Um, I, I am curious. Do you have any running number of the, the amount of things that you've casted so far? Ooh, do you keep that metric? I don't keep that metric, but I really wish that I did. I want to say that I've done at least 30 in-person events now. Wow. Over the course of Whoa. just a year and a half, it's been a lot. I'm I'm really taken aback by by the whole story of kind of dealing with with loss through immersion in the in the esports community and I think um this is a really good community to really immerse yourselves in because there's there's so many people who are going through similar things or so many people who, you know, want to include other people. Mm-hmm. Um, how has, how has the, com- the, the community for, for Pokemon uh, kind of received, received you? How, how, do, how have 
how did they react when you first started casting? I'll be honest that I was super unsure how people were going to react, Mm. especially taking such a long break from the community and taking a Mm -hmm. long break from playing the video game. I was really nervous when I first got the call for the North American International Championships because I wasn't sure people were actually going to remember who I was. And then when I announced that I was going to be casting, it was nothing but an outpouring of support. (laughs) And even since then, from doing the Latin American International Championships this year, going into the Dallas Regional Championships, which is the first regional for Sword and Shield, and then from there doing Oceania, and then having nonstop events back-to-back with Collinsville as well, it's been nothing but support from everybody, and I can't thank everyone enough for that. That's so good to hear. Now, getting into it, can mm-hmm. you kind of break it down for us? What exactly goes into casting? What are some of the things that you need to keep an eye on? What are some of the things that maybe people don't even see uh, that goes on behind the scenes before you uh, step out on that main stage or before you step up behind the caster's booth? What goes into that? It's a lot. So whenever I decide to do, whenever I get called to do an event, any event, whether it's Pokemon, Overwatch, Hearthstone, no matter the game that it is, I put in about a week's worth of prep before the event. That's kind of what I use my weekdays for. So it's not just going to the event and casting. It's also studying the meta, making sure you understand all of the different mechanics. And because Pokemon is such a complicated game, I actually spend most of my free time studying the game outside of doing Mm-hmm. any event so even just this week i got back from collinsville and tuesday it was doing my own pokemon content wednesday mm-hmm. still focusing on content what's new about series three what do i need to know about these pokemon thursday streaming battle spot what do i need to know about these pokemon what am i going <laughs> to learn from playing against these teams i don't even have an event coming up and this is kind of how my week goes so that's just what happens before you even get to an event and then when you're at an event you've got you've got rehearsals to make sure that you know what your spots are you know what the show rundown's going to be you actually have the day of you have to go to hair and makeup you need to make sure you're looking nice um wow. and then even when the the show is happening you have people talking in your ear the entire entire time about what's coming up next what you need to hit you know obviously everybody knows that sometimes we have to stall for some time because a game isn't ready so do we have to do that it's it's a lot that goes into a show (laughs) beyond just casting the Mm -hmm. event we were watching uh collinsville together live and i I don't know i don't remember the exact set but there was situation where uh you guys were waiting for the games to finish and you were just talking through pokemon and i was talking to mike about some like these two, it was you and Gabby, I believe, these two have to have so much talent to just sit here and make time <laughs> because that is so difficult. I can't even, because I when I'm recording like Battle Spot videos, I can't even make time for the team, the team preview, just talking through and you guys go through like minutes upon minutes of content. So kudos to you. That's great. I think that specific spot that you're mentioning, Gabby and I were sitting there talking for 35 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes that just happens. And, you know, you got to put on a brave face about it. And you're like, you know what? We're here. We love Pokemon. And we're going to talk about some Pokemon. No, you guys did great. Yeah. Really, you, you, the, the two of you got to do what essentially Kevin and I carve out time every week to do is sit down and talk about Pokemon for, (laughs) you know, 40 to an hour, Um, which is really (laughs) interesting, actually. I mean, it's basically a podcast. It's fun. I mean, 
It is. We would obviously rather get to the game and talk about the game and show those important storylines and form those, uh, you know, amazing points. But sometimes yeah. that's just not how the show goes and you got to be prepared for that and you got to stay on your toes. So I'm super happy when we get a chance to kind of go into podcast mode or <laughs> Pokemon professor mode. Yeah. And it's it's fun. You got to you got to have fun, have some fun with it. Now, I'm curious during the the time that you are down or you have to you have to talk you know, the game's not going on what kind of what like what do you have going through your your ears what, what are coming through the earpieces are, are people giving you live updates as to what's going on or are they just telling you to to kind of buy extra time or, or what's what's happening usually it's just you hear okay you we need we need a little bit more time you know keep kind of covering whatever you're covering and i'm like okay no problem We'll just keep going. And that's actually a skill that you need to get really good at is that any show that you're working on production is going to be in your ear telling you something. Mm -hmm. That's not just specific to Pokemon. I've had to do this on other shows. I've had to do this for other games. And whenever you put that headset on, it's not just you talking to a camera. It's you talking to a camera while someone else is also talking in your ear and you have to make it look like there's nothing else going on. It's just you talking into that camera. So it's a hard skill that people need to develop. And was that tough to adjust to? It was tough to adjust to. It really was. You know, every time you hear something in your head, you just want to sit and listen, right? Yeah. You want to sit and take a, take a moment to just soak up everything that this one person is talking to you about, but you can't do that. It's like if I were to continue talking and you were still asking me a question, then I just keep going. Right. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You have to listen and ignore at the same time. Yeah. that, That has to be difficult. In one ear, out the other. Exactly. I mean, for me, my my general impulse is to react or to to agree or say yes, okay, to the person who was telling me to do something. But I like to have to suppress that. That's that's like uh, not reaching for something with my right (laughs) hand, like using my other hand to hold a pencil or something like. Yeah. At first you feel kind of rude about it, but then you realize that as long as you do what the person's telling you to do. They get that you are listening to them the whole time mm-hmm. and they know that you can't talk back to them yeah. anyway. So you may as well just go for it and, <laughs> and just do your job. <laughs> now, before we go ahead and take a little break, let's uh, I, I just want to ask you, what has been your best experience casting so far? What's that been? I think my best experience was casting Oceania International Championships. Mm hmm. There was it wasn't just about being at the venue and casting Oceania. It was the entire trip. It was how the staff treated us. It was what we got a chance to do. Being in Australia was a unique and novel experience for me. If you just had to mention casting alone, it would be casting worlds. I do really want to know about kind of the whole experience of of going out there, doing a job, but also being in a new space a new land a new area what was what was it like going to australia was that your first time going it was my first time going and i was not prepared for the 24 hours that it took me to get there really <laughs> oh jeez yeah how do you mean that plane ride <laughs> yeah three plane rides a couple layovers and then 24 hours later i was in australia oh my gosh you were you missed a whole day i time skipped yeah, yeah i missed a whole day and then some because we moved forward when you got there, was it just go, go, go? Or did you have a have a day to kind of rest and 
get the jet lag out. Yeah. So I had five days to get the the jet lag out and really prepare myself. And I think that was one of the reasons why I felt like I did some of the best commentary that I've ever done at Oceania. Wow. Mm-hmm. Just having those couple of days to relax and, and get some vacation time in before actually doing the work instead of what it usually is, which is flying there. And then the event usually happens the, the day of or the next day. And then going home, I had some buffer time where I really got a chance to explore the city, do some fun things with my friends that I was also going to be working commentary with. Nice. And yeah, I think that helped a lot. You you mentioned that Oceania Regionals was like the the best that you consider your commentating. I've got to say, and I think I could speak for Mike when I say this, that that juniors finals match, that was so emotional. Oh, man. That, the com- I actually started crying. That commentary was so it good, was so and the good. match was so good. It was so good. <laughs> tell, tell the people about that juniors match, because I'm sure that you can talk about it better than we could. Oh, my gosh. I'm actually getting a little teared up right now, actually thinking about it, because that moment is so particularly special for me. Mm-hmm. Because not only did I feel like Gabby and I did a great job casting that match, it was a competitive match. Justin Miranda Radbird is no player to scoff at. (laughs) And he was absolutely the favorite going into it just because of the sheer number of regional championships and international championship titles he has under his belt. Absolutely. He was the the favorite. Mm -hmm. So the fact that you have this cute little girl, Simone Lim, battling against this behemoth of a player. Mm -hmm. It was just kind of like the battle of the ages. And not even just that, but Simone was making calls left and right that Gabby Mm -hmm. and I were in. You could actually see Evan and Aaron behind the the, the desk screaming about in the background (laughs) because of how good this little girl was and absolutely popping off. Yeah. And then when she finally won and she got that 50-50 right, it was just such an emotional mm-hmm. moment. You were rooting for her. I know the audience was rooting oh, for yeah. her. Twitch chat was the nuts. entire time. It's just, it's also just special because, and I, I hate bringing this up because I, I think that esports is for everyone. But just seeing this little girl, mm-hmm. this girl that represents a lot of women that can be kind of like that person, that idol for a lot of people, winning this mm-hmm. major tournament title. It means a lot when you see that happen. Absolutely. And I mean, I, I feel like the the tendency going into that match and something that people forget not having watched juniors for a while is that, oh, the junior matches, they they're nothing They're they're You can kind of push those to the side. The masters are really what you want to watch. But I think that match really highlighted the fact that, no, you can learn so much from any particular uh, uh, age group. Right. Watching Simone go up, watching her make those plays. I was sitting uh, in the downstairs in my house talking with my housemate um, about some of the plays that that she was making. And he was coming back saying, you know, why, why, why is she making that play? And I I feel like a lot of it was rooted in um, kind of, uh, for lack of a better word, prejudice against the against the age. And I'm thinking, no, like these people are making good plays regardless of how old they are. They're, they're thinking they're Mm -hmm. going through their thought process. They're making the plays. 
and just like theory crafting afterwards, we were talking for almost half an hour um, about that last move with, uh, I believe the Tyranitar was there, Rhyperior was there, and then somebody else on, on Justin's side. Dusclops. Dusclops, yeah. thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, that, just talking about that was, was such an interesting uh, experience for us. And that all came from a juniors match. It did. There mm. were so many moments that you could have broken down from that particular match that yeah. you could have learned so much from. And I got to give so much credit to Gabby because Gabby, being the color analyst for that match, ended up just talking about the match in such an easy to understand way that y- you could right. glean so much knowledge from watching the match and then also listening to Gabby talk about it. Mm-hmm. Gabby's a great player. She always beats me at pecs. That's actually so funny. <laughs> yeah, we, we, little story about that. Um, Kevin and I, uh, we we actually met each other back at at PAX 2015. Um, I believe was it that PAX, Kevin? I think so. It it's that PAX uh, during the friendly uh, uh, VGC tournament or friendly Pokemon tournament. Um, Gabby knocked him out. Um, I, mm-hmm. I think they were pretty up there this year. Uh, you you know that Gabby won the the PAX friendly tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. She knocked out Kevin again. <laughs> I believe between I got top four. Yeah, I got four, top yeah. four. <laughs> knocked him out yeah, she That's knocked awesome. me out two years in a row. I can't so beat her. I She's like too good. Gabby's like <laughs> slowly becoming your your true rival or something like that. <laughs> That's incredible. Anyway, uh, when we come back from the break, we're going to get a little bit more into uh, Rosemary's uh, experience, a little bit more into her actual thoughts about the game, her actual thoughts about uh, everything that is Pokemon. Um, and we're going to get into all that when we come back from the break. So we'll see you in a sec. Welcome back to Poke Sports Plus and our conversation with Rosemary Kelly. Now, before we had our break, uh, you had mentioned incredibly briefly about color commentary. Now, I, I'm super curious. Uh, what is for the people who don't know what is color commentary and what's kind of the inverse to that? There's two different types of commentary when you have a duo partnership. And usually you have one person that identifies as the play-by-play caster and one person that identifies as the color caster. When you put those two together, you get the duo Mm -hmm. that you usually see on screen or that you're listening to when you're watching a Pokemon match. Sometimes you can go through something that's a little bit more of a hybrid kind of style. So if you were watching Oceania International Championships and you were listening to Evan Latt and myself cast, we're both normally play-by-play casters. Mm -hmm. But when put together, we decided to do something that was a little bit more considered hybrid, where we just had a nice casual chat about what was going on in the game. And I actually really like that style of commentary, but I know it's not for everybody. Everybody likes different things. Commentary by itself is an art and it's always going to be subjective. So some people, maybe even some of those that are listening into this podcast might not even like my commentary, but that's okay. I'm, you know, there's always a, that's why we have different commentators because there's always a flavor for everybody. Right. There's always kind of a rotation. People, people have their favorites and they consciously or not will kind of decide on, on who they particularly would like mm-hmm. to, to listen to more. Do you find that color commentators are, are typically the ones who people gravitate towards more? Or do you feel that, that it's kind of the other way where the play-by-play are the more focused on? 
I think it's a little bit mixed because play by play, they're the hype people. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are getting excited about the action as it's happening. So I was the one that got a chance to call out that amazing interaction between Simone and Justin in the juniors finals for the Oceania International Championships. Whereas Gabby was the one that was giving me all the setup. That's the color commentator. The color commentator is going to be the one that's giving you the analysis, the why, the how. I'm giving you the what Ah, and the when. mm -hmm. So that's kind of the big difference between color and play-by-play. And it just depends on what you're looking for. If you're looking for someone to educate you about the game, you're probably going to like the color casters a little bit more. But if you're just there as a casual viewer and you're just there to get the experience, you might like the play-by-play more. It just depends on what you're looking for. And that is consistent, not just with with Pokemon, but with other esports as well, like Overwatch, Hearthstone, mm-hmm. uh, Dota. I know I came from a, a more of a Dota background. What, what's that experience been like for you in, in Hearthstone and, and Overwatch? Has there been a lot of uh, overlap with those uh, different styles of, of casting? So funny enough, I as I'm a play-by-play caster for Pokemon, I'm actually a color mm. caster for Overwatch. Oh. oh. That's kind of something that I stepped into pretty early on because I understood the game, but I my mechanics just weren't ever good enough to be a pro player. So uh, I just decided, well, why not just be a color commentator? I understand what's supposed to happen, so I should be able to tell people what's going on and and why this is happening, right? (laughs) So (laughs) it depends on the game, but like for Hearthstone, I'm play-by-play, and for Pokemon, I'm play-by-play. Overwatch is color. Now, I know that you're incredibly active in in the Pokemon community. I see your tweets all the time at uh, at Necker Gaming. I see your streams all the time at twitch.tv <laughs> slash Necker Gaming, your posts on YouTube under Necra. Now, where did where did the name Necra come from? So this is when I was a teenager. Um, like originally, all, huh? my like everybody, my tag <laughs> comes from when I was a teenager, getting super invested into video games and branding. Mm-hmm. Um, but originally, my tag was Rosemarinus, which is rosemary in Latin. Oh, oh. Also, where they got Marnie's name in Sword and Shield. So, oh wow, <laughs> you can tell everybody that I'm in the video game. Thanks. Um, <laughs> uh, but that was my original tag, and then I realized that I wanted something that was just a bit more unique than that. I was like, mm, this is just my name said in a different way. But I kind of took that theme when I was thinking about my new tag, which is where I got Necra from. My favorite animal is the wolf. I love wolves. I think that they are such unique animals and the way that they socially interact with each other is really interesting. I'm a biologist. Mm-hmm. I love studying this stuff. Um, oh. So I took the wolf. I decided that I was going to find a way to say it in another language. I found a, an interest. I found a dialect of Indian and I can't remember the name of it right now, so forgive me for that. But I decided to like drop an H and add a K, and Necro was born. Wow, that's like super unique. Where you got the name from, Mike? Where'd you get your name from? Uh, I'm, I'm fortune cookie. <laughs> and then I mean, un, under uh, the the guise of of Necra and the username, um, what are what are some of the mm-hmm. the pieces of of content that you're you're most proud of? You you do stuff over all of these different platforms. Which what what have you been most proud of? So I stream on Twitch because I love being able to interact with the community when Mm. I'm going to an event. I can't really do that. It's always about being 
at the job and the job always comes first. So it's mm-hmm. hard when you just like get a chance to pass by people. You're like, hey, it's so nice to see you. I'm really sorry, but I've got to run. When I'm streaming, that's kind of a way for me to utilize a platform in order to interact with people on a more casual basis and in a much more fun setting. We can talk talk about Pokemon. We can talk about how your day is going. We can talk about how my day has been going. We can get to know each other a little bit better. Um, So I'm really proud of the community that I've built around streaming. And the other thing that I think I've been really proud of is actually doing YouTube content. I started this series called Pokemon Spotlights. And one of the reasons why I actually did it is just because it's a passion project of mine. I recognize that there's so many people that want to get involved in the video game championships or even just in singles, because I actually think the videos work really well for that, too. So I decided to kind of go on a bit of a natural history route, taking some of my teaching experience, taking some of my learning experience from when I was in school and applying it to how I can talk about Pokemon. So I came up with these short two to five minute videos about featuring a single Pokemon and I talk about their abilities. I talk about their competitive usage. I talk about maybe some movesets or some items that you might want to try on those Pokemon and show them off that way. Earlier on today, I was just looking for because right now I'm running a Hatterene team and I was looking for, you know, just Hatterene sets or had like just ways to play Hatterene. And I stumbled across your video. and I'm like, wait. We're talking to her later today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No way. <laughs> yep. No way. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, oh, it's Oh, that's great. awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad you found the video. I hope you found it useful. I'm more proud of it because mm-hmm. I'm such a lazy person, and it's so hard sometimes to motivate myself to do things outside of just going to the job and doing that job that it's mm-hmm. really exciting to me that I thought about a project and I'm actually seeing it through. So I think that's one of the reasons why I'm most proud of it. It might not be the best content out there Mm -hmm. and I know it certainly isn't, but I'm proud of it because I did that and I made myself do it. There's always that satisfaction uh, once a video is finished of just saying, hey, you know what? I made this and no one else is going to have made what I just made. Exactly. I did notice, actually, and I, I want to bring this up as a, as a really quick point. Um, I can't remember where it was. It might have been at Oceania. Uh, you had this Alolan Executor pin on, and I <laughs> thought that was the coolest thing I've ever seen. Where did you get that? And where can I get one? <laughs> I got it at the Pokemon Center. I'm oh, pretty nice. sure that you should be able to get one there, too. Official Poke merch. They have some of the best pins and accessories, so you should definitely go check it out. You know, I just picked up on that about a week and a half ago i i looked on the pokemon center <laughs> website and i was like wow look at all these pins yes all the pins <laughs> you know what let's get into the actual game of pokemon i mean that's what we've been here for 30 right. minutes you know, <laughs> actually talking about so let's <laughs> get into it um what do you feel about series three so far i know we we've had a couple of days at this point to to kind of internalize and see what's what's actually being seen uh what have you been finding kind of in your matches or while doing your research so with series three we've gotten the introduction of a handful of new pokemon and a handful of new gigantamax pokemon and in my research i've kind of just noticed that i think the big players are going to be gigantamax lapras Mm -hmm. and incineroar I mean, Mm -hmm. obviously, everybody's already been talking about Incineroar, but 
I I definitely see yeah. its usage. Basically, I think that it's not going to be as strong as people think it is, but it's mm. definitely going to see a lot of usage. It's actually interesting you say that because like Incineroar usage has gone through the roof on Battle Oh yeah, it, it's like up. why wouldn't you want to try out the new <laughs> shiny toy? Exactly. exactly right? You know what's even funnier is that Arcanine usage has gone the opposite direction. <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe that oh, was boy. one. Uh, a tournament recently where an Arcanine had been used on nearly every single team. And now we're seeing it in like, mm-hmm. I believe there are metrics out there where it's putting it at about 4%, which is just what? <laughs> <laughs> it really depends on what you want to utilize that supportive Pokemon slot for. Yes. So when comparing the two, the biggest difference that I see between them is actually their speed stat. Arcanine is naturally faster than Incineroar. So if you're wanting to use Incineroar or Arcanine for that supportive slot to use Snarl, I would highly recommend looking at Arcanine over Incineroar because chances are Arcanine Snarl is going to go off faster than either of the opposing Pokemon are going to move. Right. So it's always going to get the special attack drop before Incineroar might get the chance to do so. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm definitely seeing a lot of um, use of Parting Shot as well. Uh, that's mm-hmm. been another big one. I like that it's so versatile and that you can use it on, as you mentioned, the, the G-Max Laprises, uh, in order to get out and get into a Pokemon that can actually, uh, do something a little bit, you know, more intensely to it, uh, while also getting that special attack drop. Because one thing's that one thing that I've been noticing with Gigantamax Lapras is that although it's an amazing Pokemon and can set up that Aurora Veil, uh, for absolutely free um, while bundling it with a, with an ice mm-hmm. hyper beam, essentially what it lacks is uh, physical power, yes. which is why a lot of people run things like weakness policy Correct. on it, which is fine. But if people are expecting that, getting that parting shot off, uh, lowering its special attack and, and essentially dampening all of the, all of its moves, that's uh that's one very clear way to get around it. I don't know, guys. A lot. It sounds like the both of you are sleeping on a Lolan Persian. <laughs> <laughs> has a really fast snarl, has a very fast parting shot, and has icy wind. I don't know. <laughs> There's some definitely some utility, but when you look at using oh, yeah. supporters, I it just depends on what it is that you're trying to go for in the team. I think that all three of those Pokemon mm-hmm. are going to end up seeing a lot of usage, and mm-hmm. all th- by all three, I mean Alolan Persian, Incineroar, and Arcanine. But they fit v- very similar niches on a team. It just depends mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. what you're trying to support. Yeah. Absolutely. They they definitely need something to pack a punch next to them. Yeah. Or else they're just Pokemon. And Lapras isn't going to do that. <laughs> right. <That's true>. Right. <laughs> what kind of Pokemon would you suggest that, that pack a punch? Ooh, I mean, the big one for me has always been Rhyperior. I think that one is one yes. of those Pokemon that just does so much damage. Um, especially when you get the weakness policy boost, especially when you get it into a trick room setting. And I think that more and more people are going to run something like a trick room team. There's just so few answers to it. Even when you're looking at incredibly versatile teams, like let's say you're taking a look at Andrew Ding's team from the Collinsville regional championships who just won in the master's division, sneakily very versatile Durant Tyranitar team. However, it Mm -hmm. does have some unfavorable matchups to hard trick room. 
Um, I mean, you just saw how much the team sort of struggled when it didn't get a chance to do what it wanted to do against Wolf Glick's team, which was absolutely mm. a hard trick room team. Yeah. So mm, it sure. does become a much tougher matchup, whereas with a lot of the other matchups that that team runs, it's pretty clear and cut. Uh, you know, every team seems to have some type of answer to Durant. What beats the Durant team matchup? Tyranitar. So it's it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that hard trick room or trick room is a uh, archetype that is going to see a little bit more usage in this season. Oh, absolutely. Especially with Lightbird. For sure. And I mean, this this game in general. Yeah, we've we've been seeing a huge surge of of trick room teams uh, ever since kind of Rhyperior uh, uh, solidified itself as as the powerhouse that it mm-hmm. is. Now, there's one thing that we've been noticing because we are a a esports a Pokemon and esports podcast, uh, and, and so a lot of our our knowledge base and a lot of where we come from is is rooted in the fact that esports has been around for so long in so many different areas now it, it's really opportune to have you on because you are are so kind of well-rounded in the esports uh space uh i'm i'm noticing in the in the esports space and especially with pokemon that now we're starting to see people come in under teams mm-hmm. and that's something that that pokemon hasn't really had uh up until up until now, not as much as we do now. Um, what do you see happening with with teams? Do you see anything, uh, any, any orgs picking up people? Uh, if so, for, for what? Well, the big pickup that happened before this 2020 season really started was Sage and Park going over to T1, mm-hmm. right? That yeah, was yes. absolutely huge. And one of the biggest reasons why Sage and got picked up is because they were also creating content. Mm-hmm. So... I think that players end up becoming a lot more marketable when they have something behind them that's not just, I play Pokemon really well, but the fact that they create content and they're creating content that's capturing an audience. Like if you right. look at the players that play for Panda Global, like Wolf Glick, Cybertron, mm-hmm. they are both also making content. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that that's something that as we progress that's going to be more and more common is people starting to put their ranked videos online or creating youtube series like the pokemon spotlights that i'm doing or just you know coming up with their own fun ways to talk about pokemon because the market's not saturated yet i could definitely see where there are holes to be filled with content niches so i'm really excited what the future of pokemon and pokemon esports ends up becoming because it's already off to a pretty good start. I agree with that. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I, I think that um, the 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 way to get uh, Pokemon in esports at at its onset is definitely going to be through the content route. Um, of course, through through other uh, games right now like Overwatch, Hearthstone, what have you. Um, you can get signed to teams through skill and through showing that you have the skill. For Pokemon, uh, we're we're not quite there yet, but we are heading in that direction, like almost certainly. People are are uh, broadcasting these games a lot easier than they were before. Um, the actual streams are getting a lot more attention than they were before, um, and and so people are 
noticing these players who are consistently winning and consistently uh, performing incredibly well. Uh, in the junior's case, we've mm-hmm. got Justin. I have a feeling that that if things keep progressing kind of the way that that they are, uh, by the time Justin reaches a, a high enough age, uh, they're going to be people knocking down his door trying to get him signed. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I think that a lot of the reason why we're not seeing more players get picked up is because they don't know that Pokemon exists in the capacity that it does now. Right. Mm-hmm. It's an awareness thing. I this is probably that. the biggest VGC has been in a long time. I feel like Sword and Shield has like awakened po- awoken Pokemon to like a, a much more broad mm-hmm. audience, which is nice. But yet, it, it still lacks in the eyes of like you know mm-hmm. orgs and stuff. So, what can people do to kind of drum up that awareness? Mm-hmm. Is it strictly through content? What what is what's the play? I think content's a good start, but it's also just like having conversations with people <laughs> you should and look not at being shy to Pokemon. say like, hey, I play Pokemon. <laughs> Pokemon's really cool. It's true. true. Yeah. Come to an event sometime. Let's take another another Wizards-based card game, uh, Magic the Gathering, right? Like people are able to a little more easily say, hey, I play magic on Friday nights. I go to Friday night magic. I go over to this card shop and we play and I'm going to a tournament this weekend. But I don't hear as many people from the the TCG community saying, hey, I'm going to uh, this pack opening this weekend or this uh, uh, pre-release this weekend talking about what I'm going to be doing over there. Um, I, I feel like kind of de dekidifying the whole thing. It's It's not just a game for kids. You can learn a lot from the kids, but hey, you can learn a lot from the adults as well. Masters players numbers are like the masters. huge. Yeah. The highest numbers in any age division. It's something mm-hmm. to consider too. Exactly. Yeah. And with Sword and Shield, it's also been the highest numbers that we've seen for many, many years of of the video game. And with that, I think we're going to call it a day. Uh Rosemary, thank you so, so much for joining us today. Uh is there any place that people that you would like to direct people to go? Where can people find you? You could find all of my links on twitter.com slash necragaming. That's N-E-K-K-R-A gaming. Kevin, where can people find you? X-Rays Ovation, Twitter and Instagram. And of course, you can find me at Still Just Mike on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the podcast uh, wherever you find your podcasts or on YouTube at youtube.com slash pokesports. Of course, you can send us a uh, email at pokesportspodcast at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with us. guys. Again, I have this has been such an interesting conversation for me. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much just sitting here with you. Uh Rosemary, you are you are allowed on this podcast whenever you want. <laughs> Come back often. <laughs> uh have yourselves a great week and everybody we will see you next time. <laughs>